0: So when I started doing these bowl games, I really thought I could be just doing a quick look and some quick podcast. Well, I can't believe the deep dives, you know, and there's just so many interesting stories and interesting coaching things going on in this volatile landscape as I keep describing it. And uh, again, here's another one. I'm hoping soon enough as we get more to the teams that are already established more, even the ones that have switched coaches like USC, but they're established as a program. I'll have a little less time on my hand. I mean, I'll be able to do it quicker. Uh, obviously, the everybody out there in internet land knows those teams better. But this is obviously for my, you know, I'm not getting a lot of looks at this. This is for me to uh, to have as I head forward and and to have a grip on the college landscape. So I'm getting it. <laughs> and it's a lot. But anyway, so another game where you say there's a Mac school at eight and four and then there's a Mountain West school at seven and four. Not the best conferences. Mountain West has been great, but in the past it's not so great. The Mac has been really good at times, but it's it is what it is. Uh San Jose State, Eastern Michigan, who are they? Uh, and then I look at this, I already knew about Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan. and He's been in my back pocket, sort of like, I want to do a study on this guy. I already did one on Kalen DeBoer, who was his first offensive coordinator at Eastern Michigan. And I knew a little bit about Chris Creighton because he was coaching at a Kansas school that was right next to Emporia State back in, uh, what was it, the 90s when Manny Matzakis was there, and then Jerry Kill took over. And, I mean, their locations are right next to each other. The school he was at, uh, Chris Creighton was at Ottawa, Kansas, and it's right next to where Emporia is. And I can't imagine because he then, from what I've read about, he doesn't talk much about his schemes. He's a huge culture guy. But what I've read about other people saying about some of his stuff Back then, and with Drake after in Wabash College, Wabash, um, he did a lot of half rolls, spread spread formations. I mean, th- this is the run and shoot. That's what Manny sackis does. It's called the triple shoot because he'll add in the power with triple option and f- from jet sweeps and other things out of that. Um, which people are doing today, but more, but I mean it's, it's Manny's like in a very underrated, un, some, to my opinion, unrecognized not by the coaching profession, but by the fans, I think, in what he's contributed to changing this game. And actually was he and Rich Rodriguez led to this power spread thing that really blew up in the 2000s in college. So uh, So Chris Creighton definitely you know is, is a you know he, he's a big fan of the Raiders game. Back in the day, that's all that Sid Gilman, but it's all that, the way uh, Al Davis did it was heavy run and then heavy big pass, you know, and, and that's what he, you know, he loved that, but, you know, and so I'm sure he was a pro guy and then morphed into this more of the spread passing with heavy running together and eventually then gets Kalen DeBoer, who is a PS pro guy who does exactly that. Can really spread it out and spread that ball around, but always wants the balance of the power, power spread, PS Pro really, and and so that's you know that's Creighton's background. So I was always very interested in that, and so I learned more today about his culture, how it's a culture of love. He's one of those new guys. He preaches love, and there's all kinds of little specifics within that I'm not going to get into, but to, to to bring teams together and togetherness, and Eastern Michigan's been a bad program for a long time come on this that's the truth and he's turned it around i mean are they lighting the world on fire no but are they a solid good program yeah he's turned it around and it's taken some time he's only the only thing is his his recruiting you know it's a max school though so his recruiting isn't as strong as what's going on at san jose state um but you know now he's starting to bring in some transfers that have helped this year in particular some of this transfer portal, he's taking advantage of that. So he's doing his best. He has a really good culture. He's trying to upgrade the talent. Um, his schemes are good, you know. I wouldn't say great. He he always uses guys that uh, were always in his background. Like so, he had a defensive coordinator originally that was that coached for him before, and that guy ran like a three four three three hybrid. It didn't do so well. He ended up getting Neil Nether- Nethery. Who's another guy who's now still his coordinator, defensive coordinator? And Nil kind of did a 4-3 slash four-two hybrid. But now it's really strongly a four-two. That one nickelback at one point was more like the linebacker size, and now he's more like a defensive back size. But uh you know, it's it's more based on the fundamentals and he wants his D line getting in there. He'll blitz some, but it's it's more of a fundamental thing, and again, it needs talent. He had some upgrade going on at one point then lost those guys and it's had some trouble though this year he brought in a good like i said a couple good transfer linebackers klein is a big one and they and they've helped and and it's better but it's also just keeping up with the joneses i mean some of what's going on is what you were doing in 2014 which was innovative and a good deal back then isn't enough now it's going fast i mean people are power spread offense everywhere so you know nethery's trying to keep up on that but it's a decent he's decent he's a decent defensive coordinator uh creighton no longer has deborah but he had guys from that were running that style and now he has a couple guys that are not their coordinate he's actually the coordinator title himself but he has brandon blaney a tight end coach and uh running game coordinator and mike Pietkowski who's the passing game coordinator. And Piatkowski has uh, been with Creighton, like all his guys, and under DeBoer. So that's that. And uh, Blaney is interesting. He's a Mangino guy that goes all the way back to Stoops with Leach and Wilson. And then lately he was on Harbaugh's, where they were resurrecting that offense at Michigan into a power, pro, a power PS pro offense. So, you know, Creighton wants the power and he wants the spread. And he and he and he does both, and it it's nothing earth shattering scheme wise. So it's good, but it's not earth shattering. So he needs the talent, and he's doing his best. They're a solid team, because the culture is so strong. They win a lot of close games. This has been their best year under him, eight and four. Uh, it, it's better than you really would have expected. I think I I didn't expect him to maybe win this many games, but I, I I thought around you know seven wins anyway. Um, you know uh the the defense was struggling early because they had lost people but they because of the transfers they they came on stronger near the end of the year and they won their last three games in a row and uh but a lot of close games and I have to wonder when they go up against San Jose State are they just going to hit a team who has also decent schemes and more talent you know but you know San Jose State it's been a while since they've been good and now, but they weren't the situation of Eastern Michigan. They weren't just out and out bad. They were just a middling program. But if you go way back, like they, they, well, there was Dick Tomey, and the guy now uh, who's their coordinator was under Dick Tomey. So he, you know, he comes on here, and then another the, the head coach. I'm um, sorry, the head coach was under Tomey, not the coordinator, Brent Brennan. So he was a Tomey guy. Um, but before Tomey, that you had the passing spread there with Claude Gilbert and Jack Elway. Before him. And Jack Elway comes from the Meyer Spread up passing. Spread, really just a spread game. Which had power in it too. It was the beginning of that. Coming from the run and shoot. But he liked to line up and then power the ball too. So that was an interesting beginning. And that morphed into what was the pro spread now. That morphed with a lot of the West Coast stuff out there. And became a pro spread. And the NFL is pretty much what they're using. When you see the NFL go five wide. They're doing. that's a, And then go into heavy set power run. Under center. That that's Jack Newmeyer. You know nobody knows about that. So everybody knew about Miles Davis, but the other two guys, Jack Newmeyer and Red Fout. and Red Fout was the like the trip, like Manny got the Manny stuff, like option with the run and shoot stuff. So which is almost directly from Tiger Ellison in a way. So the the real power spread. But anyway, so you know you go back to you have Jack Elway, who then led to a guy named uh, the guy who was under him. Uh, Dave Baldwin is, is the guy that is the big influence in Kevin McGiven, the offensive coordinator. Kevin McGivin's line is Gary Crowton and then Dave Baldwin. So, and that goes back to Jack Elway. So, Jack Elway had some decent teams at San Jose State early on doing that spread ahead of its time. And then we had a Claude Gilbert who actually took some of Jack's stuff and also combined it with his Air Coriel background. He literally was coaching under Eric Don Coryell at San Diego State. So that was the heyday. And then from then on, it's been a middling program. Dave, even Dave Baldwin tried to resurrect it. No one really could until uh, Dick Tomey did okay. Dick Tomey started it. And then Mike McIntyre took it over and was adding some PS stuff, both on defense and offense. Some P- power spread type of innovative, more innovative, and also culture-wise and he actually turned it around and then had a couple great years and took, and then he took another job. And that's when Brent Brennan came in. So Brent Brennan was under McIntyre earlier in the time, in the regime. And then Brent, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, after McIntyre left, hit one of his guys, Carriger, didn't do so well and they kind of were middling again for a couple years. And then Brent Brennan came in. Brent Brennan was over at Oregon State. So, Brennan... Like I said, he's done a great job culture wise but he didn't have as nearly the mess of eastern Michigan but you know but he brought in um he up he up I think he upgraded the scheme on offense even more so with Uh, McGiven. uh McGiven's background again, I said Baldwin and Crouton, but even more so because that's not a real upgrade that's nothing crazy there but what's been going on recently is he was also under Matt Wells, and Matt Wells has some Josh hypo influence of late. And Heupel's doing the Bryles stuff. That's an upgrade because uh, Bryles was so ahead of his time. So I think with McGivin, you're kind of having a little Bryles going in on that too there. But it's probably more the pro. It's probably a PS Pro. There's some pro stuff going in on there because Baldwin's along that line. Of, but but anyway, so but we'll just call it power spread uh, or PS Pro, either one. And And it's good. And it's a good offense. And they've had and they've, you know, of late upgraded their talent. Uh, they, they had a, uh, quarterback Starkle leave, but they got in a transfer from Hawaii. And if he's from Hawaii, the, the, the home of the spread, passing spread, run and shoot and other stuff. Cordero. He's been great. Chevin C- C- Cordero he's had a good year, really good year. They have three receivers, taller than six foot. Uh, Elijah Cooks is the best at six, four. So it's like a real power spread team, both in passing and running, but no, they, they spread it out. They throw it around. They've had a really good year at doing it. And even though the stats don't show it, Kerry Robinson is a heck of a running back. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but a scat back type, but he's powerful too. And, and, and he can get his yards if they need it. So really good offense. And then the thing is, on defense, they have a guy named Derek Odom as the defensive coordinator. And Odom is from the Whittingham line at Utah and then Tom Mason. He was under a guy named Tom Mason who went in on LeBeau, the Dick LeBeau Blitzberg stuff in 2009. And he had a lot of that. And then Gary Anderson, who again is the Winningham line, but also Aranda. So you know Derek Odom is mixing it up. And if you just look at the stats between Eastern Michigan's defense and San Jose, here's a little trick. Look how many defensive linemen are getting sacks versus all the other players. Because if Derek Odom's They're all getting sacks, linebackers, linemen, defensive linemen, everybody. Whereas Eastern Michigan, it's towards the defensive line. So you know Odom's mixing stuff up. But I know because of his background, he's mixing stuff up, bringing in pressure. And you look at the passing stats, and he's not giving up tremendous amount of yards while he's doing that. So you know, I I just think he's doing a good job. And the talent keeps improving. And this year, I mean, it's really keeps improving. And this year, they have a... A real good defensive end for Hoko. Uh, Cade Hall, another one defensive end. Wright, the nose tackle. Matua, the the kind of hybrid DN linebacker guy. They're all getting in there. They got uh, Jordan Cobbs, the linebacker. Guys are getting in there. They have some, they're a little bit weaker in the defense side, but still it's a strong safety Jenkins. And they got a kid from USC, Williams. Uh, he's been playing great. So they had that transfer in. The talent is upgraded. The defense has been Great. The defense has been great. Cordero has done a great job in the passing game. You almost wonder with Eastern Michigan, you sort of, you know, wonder how they won as many games as they did. And that's culture. And they won close games. And it was the crazy Mac and they pulled it off. With San Jose, you almost, I know seven and four is good, but you almost think they could have been better. They started off four and one. Uh, They lost a tough Fresno State who was starting to turn it around then in a tough game. And then they're running back. Freshman running back, uh, Camden McWright. don't want to get his name wrong. He died in a bus hit him. He was on a scooter, bus killed him. And they actually, just to tell you their togetherness, I'm not sure what would have happened at other teams, but I know they canceled their game. They canceled their game with New Mexico State, period. In uh, a heavy heart, they were able to beat Nevada 35-28 the next game and then Colorado State the next game, 28-16. Then they lost to a tough San Diego State team, a tough Utah State team, only by four. That you know, it, and those those couple losses there, it makes me wonder if it was just a lot. But they wrapped up the year beating Hawaii, who wasn't a great team, but they beat Hawaii, and they were strong, and they had a, some better running game too, which I liked. And I really think now with some time off, I have a weird feeling. I in the beginning I really like Eastern Michigan's trending. And I really thought Eastern Michigan could win this game, but now I'm going to switch it over to San Jose because I almost want to say, you know, San Jose State is is going to. Uh, I feel, I mean, they are the favorite actually too, you know. But that makes sense. I mean, they do have more talent, not a lot, but I mean, they're, they're more talented this year. I the big thing about Michigan, uh, Eastern Michigan, is they had a really good uh, quarterback last year. And this year, and he was a transfer. He was the guy from Cincinnati, uh, Bryant. And he went back to Cincinnati this year. But, and he didn't do quite as well because it's tougher competition. But he had a real good year for Eastern Michigan last year. And Creighton likes to spread it out and power it. But he wants to spread it out. And he had a real good quarterback doing that. So he left. And they got another transfer in. So they were like grooming quarterbacks through recruiting for the last few years. And they had a good guy named Glass, who was a dual threat. Which Creighton loves. Bryant's not a dual threat, and then the last couple of years they're doing transfer the transfer uh, portal. And last year, you know, Brian had a real good year of passing. Well, Taylor Powell comes in. I thought he's from Texas Tech. That's going to be air raidish. I thought he'd get the ball out quick, get it out to the receivers, maybe do a little um, bit of run. But he he started the year pretty good, and then was just bad. And at, at points, they even brought in their redshirt freshman, Austin Smith, who was more of a dual threat. But as I look back now, I see that Taylor Powell came back in late in the year and was looking better. And then I found out he had a shoulder, shorter issue throughout the year. So maybe that shoulder's better. He's had some more weeks off, another week or so off. So I'm wondering if Taylor Powell's going to play a better game. So that leads me, but, but, but still, their offensive passing game was way down. The run game was up with the Iowa transfer. Uh, Samson Evans had a big year. So the power part's working. Spread part, not as much. Uh, but they have a good set of receivers. Their line's pretty good. So to me, it's all going to depend. I think Cordero is the solid guy here. And I think overall San Jose State. By the way, like I said, Eastern Michigan's defense did better the second half of the year. They, got a, they have a guy named Ramirez. Had like 11 sacks. And and then Klein is a linebacker is good. But. Yeah, definitely more talent on San Jose State there, too. And they've had a better year. So you're looking at better defense, better offense, San Jose State. I mean, you're kind of thinking, okay, San Jose State. The only way Eastern Michigan wins this, I do think Powell has to have a heck of a game, like have one of his best games, open it up a little bit, and then the power. And the one thing is when San Jose State was losing those couple games late in the year, they were losing by getting uh, the other team was possessing the ball and holding on to the ball. And I wonder if Eastern Michigan. So that's the way Eastern Michigan will pull this off by holding on to the ball. Can they hold on to the ball? Can uh, their quarterback make the the passes and the complete and you know open up the spread just a bit to open up that middle and then control the ball? And because if not, if he's not doing, if they were able to like man up and just take care of the passing game against Eastern Michigan or get sacks, you know, either way, then I don't think that power game is going to take over and if the power game doesn't take over then i think san jose state has the talent they they have the, the the players the last thing i want to say too is are they going to play this one uh for their fallen comrade you know are they going to be fired up to win this going out so i first had eastern michigan i'm going i'm going to switch it over to san jose it's going to be very interesting i think this could go either way but i'll do a switch over to san jose both programs on the rise and hopefully I get into some games now that I don't have to go deep dive, but boy, these guys are really interesting, some of this stuff that's going on. But it's in the smaller levels. But you could see in the future some of these teams do some big upsets. We like we saw Marshall beat Notre Dame this year. I mean you can see you're gonna see more and more crazy stuff again, uh, I think coming around the bend, but not based on the fact that no, you know, back in the day back in the two thousands it was more like the power spread scheme. Now it's more like the power spread culture. It's more of a culture thing. And these guys believe and they're fired up. And, you know, the big school kind of lets down on them. And, you know, as much as you try to get fired up, you kind of feel like, come on, this is Bama versus San Jose State. But that sets it up, man. I think we're going to see a couple upsets here and there in the future. Special note that I forgot to mention this is being played on the blue turf of Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho. It's Boise State's home turf. And uh, so there's, you know, it's going to be real cold, too. Uh, I think like 20s and the 20s, 20 degrees. So on one hand, you know, that's close to San I mean, San Jose uh, State may have more of the fans. And that's towards, you know, the time zone. I mean, they're way out west for eastern Michigan. But Michigan's north you know not that far to the east, but anyway. But anyways, but the, but the but the cold might benefit Eastern Michigan, especially because they're more of a power team. Uh, but anyway, so you know, on one hand, you might have a home field advantage. On the other hand, you have a cold. I keep trying to downplay the cold as a factor because of the technology that we have nowadays. But one thing I notice, I don't know if it's because the technology is better in the pros or just that they're more experienced. The pro or they're just more talented, but the pros seem to handle it better than the college guys. I have seen some cold stuff this year. I'm looking at it; it's just starting to come in some of the cold weather, and there are drop passes, slips, footing problems. But you'll see that in the pros a little bit too. But definitely doesn't it definitely maybe you know there is some effect there. So that would be interesting. But I like like I said, San Jose State has big receivers. It's almost like a power pass game a bit. I I don't know. I almost, we'll we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I mean, maybe it benefits Eastern Michigan. I'm not sure how much it's going to be home-filled for San Jose, but I would guess it would be more for them than Eastern Michigan. So just a note.